Hello and welcome back to season two of What's Happening. You're here with me, Miles Atkinson from Google UK, as we dive into the key conversations within the app industry. So far, we've covered whether you target a multi-app or super app with Revolut and how to set up your organization to win with Kin and Carter. If you've missed any of those, make sure to add them to your queue. Today, we're covering how to market your app. Specifically, we'll be looking at creative effectiveness, what works, what doesn't, why is it important? And with me, with me today, we have Oli Marlow Thomas. He spent the last five years building Adlib.io, which he really recently sold for a nine-figure sum to Smartly. He's one of probably only a handful of companies that is almost entirely focused on creative effectiveness and workflow. And as AI grows, so will this sector. And I honestly believe if you IPO'd, I'd invest. Smartly puts intelligence across creative media for over 700 brands across over 5 billion ad spend. So Ollie's very experienced with this topic. And before AdLib and Smartly, it was five years at Google. So Ollie, thanks for joining us today. Miles, what's happening? I guess you get that joke every time. How are you doing? Think, Good morning. I think you might be the first one, actually. But <laughs> okay. thanks, for pick, thanks for ticking it off the list so no one else can do it. Good. Good. Now, we like to kick things off with a simple question of what is your favorite app, Ollie? Mm. So I spend a lot of time on my phone. I was told, I think, on Sunday that I spent five and a half hours on my phone every day, <laughs> which I think is quite standard now. So I spend a lot of time on apps. I think probably Netflix for me, you know, when I'm trying to get some downtime and I'm traveling, going to work, flying somewhere, just having that app available to me and being able to download um, shows onto the app is amazing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably probably the winner for me. Content consumption is key then, basically. Correct. Yeah, no, exactly. All right. So let's make it basic to start with. What do we mean by creative effectiveness and why is it important for advertising your app? So creative effectiveness is the process of categorizing the makeup of your ads and analyzing the performance to extract better returns. What creative effectiveness is about, in, in my view, is, is five key things. So firstly, it's governance. It's building the creatives that are right for the channel, um, thinking app first when you build that creative um, and making sure that it's, you know, I guess, suitable for, for where it's running. The second thing is scale. So whenever you build um, creative, you need to think about how it's going to scale out. You know, one of the big bits of advice I have for people who are running app is do not run one creative. You must run multiple creatives and you'll see significant uplift in performance. Scale can also be taking into consideration the fact that this piece of content or ad may be running on apps in multiple markets, in multiple languages, et cetera, et cetera. The third is um, creative relevance. Um, I know we're going to talk a bit about personalization, but just trying to think about how you make sure the ad is is relevant, uh, either useful or usable for the, to the consumer or, or, or whoever you're advertising to. And then the last two, I think, um, that are really critical for driving creative effectiveness is creative agility and creative intelligence. So you need an infrastructure to be able to understand what is driving performance from a creative perspective. So can you understand what actually in your, in your ad is working for you? And then can you make changes in real time based on what is actually working? So I think those are my five sort of critical pillars of creative effectiveness. And I think, you know, whenever you're um, thinking about a campaign, they're a good one to, to run through just to make sure you're building the right, the right assets for that app campaign. Yes, it's all about basically creating a creative that is relevant for the audience, but having multiples of them and then being able to measure and adapt as that campaign goes on. Bang on. I think one of the biggest challenges in, in the creative space and creative effectiveness space has been language. And, you know, we've built this framework of creative effectiveness to help people think about like what good looks like. 
Um, and that language of governance, scale, relevance, agility, intelligence, I think is a really good way to think about how you'd be successful with the creative that you run on your app campaigns. Yeah, and I guess when we talk to like the importance of it, I mean, I, I know from, from working across, you know, hundreds of advertisers in my short time, that I can honestly say to get the biggest improvement in the campaign performance, creative is the key, right? So we can do the targeting and we can optimize and that gets us you know, the inches and, and the yards, but really the miles of difference comes in when we, when we change the creative. And I'm, I'm talking like 550% improvement, 100% improvement, you know, like it's, it's pretty strong, right? Oh, it's so strong. And this, you know, this is why, thanks for the nice introduction, by the way, but this is why I left Google. I was like, we can all get the media buying right. We can all spend hours on audience segmentation. We can think about targeting and we can do media planning and inventory allocation. But at the end of the day, still the creative was an afterthought. And by the way, I still think that's the case a lot of the time. You know, I still think that, you know, the ability to to build out creators for the channels that you're activating on is kind of forgotten, despite the fact, you know, and Google's like amazing at talking about this. Everyone knows creative is the most important lever for driving performance. That's verified by Google, verified independently by businesses like Nielsen um, and verified by by us. You know, like the reason I ad has been so successful is because we really put creative front and center. We encourage brands to think about their creative first and their digital creative first, including their app creative. And, and you know, customers see results. Yeah. Okay, you, you mentioned one of the things being around the relevance of the creative. Um, I guess some might say, isn't personalization dead with the end of personal identifiers? So obviously in the app space, mm-hmm. anyone that's kind of in this industry now will know about iOS and, and the end of the, the kind of IDFA tracking about consent and opt-ins aren't always amazing. So what does that mean uh, for personalization? So I was very keen to use the language of relevance. And, you know, about 10 years ago, personalization was the be all to end all. Is that the right expression? Um, But, you know, that's evolved into just making sure that your ads are relevant. You know, I believe that what it's actually really about is thinking about the targeting strategies that are being deployed on the media side and making sure that you incorporate the knowledge that you have on the media to make sure that what you're serving is relevant to the consumer. So that doesn't necessarily have to be audiences, right? That could be time of day. That could be some location signals are still going to be available. And, you know, I think really, if we just look at the history of this, you know, everyone said, you know, when GDPR came in, oh, advertising would be dead and performance would drop off. It just wasn't accurate, right? Actually, when GDPR came in, performance and ads went up. Um, So I think when cookies, you know, disappear and individual identifiers disappear, I'm feeling very confident that we'll see a shift in the industry to actually focus the attention on how do we make our ads more relevant, how we build out a load of assets, and how do we make sure we can optimize those assets. So in many ways, I'm actually quite excited by the the changes because I think it will put a focus back on the digital creative, the app creative, making sure that app creative is is a really critical part of the, the effectiveness mix. Yeah, and I, I would kind of echo that, right? When GDPR came in, we actually saw that performance, like you say, it, it went up because people just got a lot better around context, mm. targeting around context and making rele- relevant ads for the right context. And I think, like you say, when when no, when you, when no the automation comes in, I think there's a really good, I, I caught a really good you know, um, conversation once between Gary Kasparov, the, the chess player, <laughs> uh, and Demis Husebis, who's you know, head of DeepMind, so very much in, in the AI space. And they were kind of saying that the, 
AI and, and performance is great, but not without human inter human you know guiding it. Human and computer works much better than just computer on its own. And I think this is the case for creative, right? As the computer comes in and takes over this kind of uh, level of automation and we get these kind of less personal identifiers, we can focus more on creating better creatives and delivering better performance. Um, so I think that would be quite an interesting space. C completely agree. Um, so how do we get good effectiveness? So look, I think, let me give you some practical advice from our experience of working with apps. Um, so the first is, Feature the product prominently upfront, right? You don't get a load of time to engage the consumer. It's really important that you capture their attention with the product. They understand what's being advertised. Secondly, you know, we've learned that voiceovers really work, right? Like if you don't have a voiceover, it does have an impact um, on performance. So just think about whether you can incorporate a voiceover into the, the app. Thirdly, and I think this is like a really interesting one, we found you know, when advertisers take a bit of a risk and they think about, for example, UGC content, um, user-generated content, and including that in their app app advertising, it actually is really effective. Now, I recognize some larger brands will be uncomfortable with the idea of incorporating UGC content into their advertising campaigns, but just try it. You know, run an A-B test. Smartly is like very invested in the UGC space. We're seeing like really powerful performance across all of our different channels, um, including TikTok and obviously other Google channels like i think it's a really really powerful underutilized opportunity at the moment um it really seems to work um work for advertisers um and then finally you know i think i think this is a really important one don't just build one ad right and i said this earlier you must build and scale out your assets you need that volume to be able to optimize you know all the evidence we've shown and there's tons on the the smartly website shows that when you create volume of assets although costly the uplift in performance is significant. And I think like, although I've mentioned it's costly with automation technology now in place and some of the AI models, I know we're gonna talk about them in the future, but some of the AI models that are um, appearing, ChatGTP, et cetera, you know, automation is really pretty powerful um, and can remove a lot of the manual work and therefore a lot of the costs associated to scaling out assets um, that have traditionally been a challenge for, for advertisers. Yeah, I guess so. what we're talking about there then is essentially the different aspects within the creative. I guess to start off with, though, right, you need to be able to classify those different elements of the creative, right? So having user-generated versus more of a kind of a cinematic ad or user-generated versus yes. more of a kind of product showcase and stuff. So I guess classification would probably be one of the key items to kind of get that um, effectiveness up there. Um, I think there's kind of pretty standard ways. One is kind of like, obviously, overall theme of the creative but then i know kind of we've done work before where we look into like text size of text length of text what objects are in the creative the color saturation you know the busyness within the creative yeah so one thing we've done spent a lot of time on is trying to understand in an automated way the imagery um you know and the way we've done that actually is a, an effective integration with the google cloud google cloud um, vision api and so you know the days of you know understanding a piece of content as one single piece of content are now you know disappearing and every content is broke piece of content is broken up to elements and also tags and what i mean by tags are things like colors products etc cetera, etc cetera. what i mean by elements would be like headline call to action and so like having an understanding of um, the breakdown of those different elements and tags 
and being able to assign media data to them when the campaign is performing is also like really interesting, you know, and I think an area that is vastly underutilized, you know, if we're thinking about how to get good at effectiveness from a creative perspective, it's really important to understand all those things and be able to assign media value back to them because that's the way you you identify how to optimize those those different things as well. And that's really the untapped opportunity in the space. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have you on because I, I think your company is probably one of the only ones really looking at it at that level of detail. Like I haven't really had anyone else, you know, that I've seen across the market kind of look at it at, at that level of detail. And we have, like you say, you know, you used a bit of Google technology. We have done some yeah. of that internally at, at Google, but for our largest advertisers only and not at great scale, whereas you bring that, that kind of scale to the market that anyone can anyone can access. And I, I would say as well, part of the, you know, from my point of view around looking at the effectiveness would be don't bias your ads, right? If you don't, if, you, yeah. if all your ads look like the same, you don't get a lot of learnings. You've got to have a lot of wild variations, right? Completely, completely agree. Um, you know, variations are important and variations can be created when you understand performance as well. You know, like I think the, the historical view, particularly on app campaigns of this idea of turning on the one asset you've got, letting it run, it just will not perform, right? You'll, you'll lose the opportunity to drive performance for your business. Yeah. Okay. So when we go down that then and we kind of go underneath that level and we start looking at the individual assets themselves. So, you know, within a within a campaign, you'll have your kind of headlines and descriptions for the text point of view, you'll have images and you'll and you'll have video. What makes a good headline and description? So I think there's we've done a lot of research and, and work on this. Um I think it's it's a pretty interesting space. The, the analysis that we've done has shown a few different things. So the first bit of analysis we did was looking at, at headlines and, uh, you know, what makes a good headline? How do you drive? Um, how much headline copy is too much, et cetera, et cetera, these sort of things. And what we found are, are, are a few things that I'll, I'll, you know, let you know today. So the first is um, the trick with headlines, particularly in app, is initially you should do no more than three to five words our analysis says. So like really, really important that you can capture the attention of the consumer and the consumer can understand what the message is without having to read several different um, lines of text. And those words should incorporate just one message. So the challenge that advertisers have had a lot of the time, I think, particularly in digital, is trying to incorporate several different messages um, into one frame. I think that's really like super important and if advertisers just take that one thing away from today it would be shorten up the copy that you have on the opening frame of the asset because it's such a significant performance driver um we can help actually assess and we have done with our advertisers sort of audit of your headlines most companies are sort of mortified and you know I, we had a old creative director um who used to give me the example of you know when advertisers wanted to run a lot of um you know, content in their ads, he'd take in tennis balls to the meeting and he'd throw all the tennis balls at their, at their customer and see which ones they could catch. The point being that when you sit in one tennis ball, it's easy to catch the message and, and catch the ball. Um, you know, when you're throwing lots of different messages, actually you can't sort of catch any of them. So or throwing lots of different tennis balls, you can't catch any of them. So like it was a really effective way of helping advertisers understand like you really need to be very pointed with your message. And that's back to the whole thing around run lots of ads. You know, like if you've, if you've got lots of opportunity to run ads, there's no 
cost incurred for volume of assets, right? In fact, everyone's encouraging it. Um, so apart from the production cost, of course, but like, I think that's something that like, hopefully that lands. And then when you're testing these, these assets and these headlines, you're then in a position to kind of optimize them and remove the underperforming ones. So just all the evidence suggests, you know, short amount of words um, is really important and just have one message uh, and you'll drive sufficient performance. Okay, great. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we would echo that kind of volume piece, right? You can have up to 100 headlines and 100 descriptions across a campaign. So why, why only run one? And I think like when we, when we say like what makes a good headline and description, obviously we're, we're trying to, you know, thought provoke and, and, you know, the data would show that generally, you know, a shorter headline would, would work well. Ten, we tend to see, you know, if you have the brand name in that headline or, or a discount that you're running, that's always a good attention grabber. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't run longer forms either, because that's where you're going to get the understanding of what's working for you in particularly a particular context or even a particular market could be different. Um, so yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, also quite large text at the evidence says, you know, like try and make sure that people can read it, you know, take into consideration the user is on their mobile. They can't probably see, see that small, small text so just larger text um, up front is the, the trick, trick there. Yeah. And I guess the kind of that kind of points to, you know, the overlay that you can have on the creative, because you've got the, obviously the headline and the text, which you can run as part of the asset group. Yeah. Right. But then you've got overlay within the creative and, you know, for Google, you can have over 20, about 20% of the creative can be overlaid with text. I think in other platforms, you know, that, that could be even greater. And so you've got a real weapon there where you can control the size of the text for that piece. Um, yeah. And you know, like you say, the larger, the better, really. Yeah. As we move on to image then nicely there, uh, <laughs> what makes, what makes a good image? So, Alongside the, all the analysis we've done on the different headlines and trying to generate, um, you know, the right options uh, for headlines. And by the way, I do think we are already exploring chat GTP and it's having a huge impact on how we write copy um, in our business and test different variations. Um, but like just back, back to the, the images. So there's tons of evidence um, around a few different things. So the first is um, entropy. What do I mean by entropy? It's basically the the best way to describe entropy is really like the makeup of the ad, the busyness, you know, of the ad. And everything that we see um, suggests that, you know, entropy typically best performance is when you have fewer colors and, and less variations in the entropy. So you want to try and think about how you make sure you have a bold background color, not tons of different colors um, in the asset. Um, the second thing that we've learned that works is faces. So when you put a face in an ad, there's usually a, an uplift of between 10 and 15%. That doesn't need to be in the opening frame. That can be um, at a point through the ad. But I think faces really do drive significant uplift um, in performance. We did some analysis on faces, um, and we now try and encourage all of these, all, all of these um, app ads to add, include an ad faces. Why do faces work? Well, the main reason they work is uh, they're memorable. So the other piece of work that AdLib has done is built, or AdLib and Smartly have done, is built a um, memorability model. Um, the memorability model um, obviously ties directly to ad recall. Um, we audited um, millions of assets, um, identified you know, what the elements of the assets were that were most memorable based on a 
an open source um, memorability model. Um, and then we scored all of the creatives that we ran. And what we saw was when a face was in the ad, it was significantly more memorable. Now, this memorability model is extremely powerful to help advertisers predict the ad recall around their ad. So depending on your goals of the campaign, obviously a lot of app campaigns are install focused and have hard KPIs, but memorability will also help you make sure that you build the asset that you know is going to capture the attention of the consumer. And so if you include a face, feel free to get in touch and talk, talk about the memorability model more. But if you include a face, you will undoubtedly see an uplift in performance. So that works for both a kind of brand creative and a performance creative, you think? Correct. Yeah, it works for both brand creative and, and performance performance creative. Yeah, okay, great. I mean, I would echo that as well, kind of faces always seem to work really well. But I, I, I could also say, I've also seen really bad ads work. You know, ads ads that you would imagine just don't work. Yeah. Come up in our kind of top 50 ads somewhat all the time and it can be just simple like product slides or whatever but I think that probably comes back to like the relevance it's probably re really relevant for someone yeah right? yeah and, yeah no I, it's it's very peculiar what works online you know when we assessed all those ads it was kind of crazy some of the highest performing ads were not what you'd expect and this is back a bit back to UGC you know sometimes we find that you know these ads that feel much more native and I think this is where you know you guys, TikTok, Reels, etc., are all slightly changed in the game of advertising. You know, these native formats do seem to get very high engagement where it doesn't feel like a piece of advertising content. Um, and that's really important because that's not something that brands, like big, I guess, big old school brands have necessarily got comfortable with yet. Yeah, interesting. I know there's um, a company out there called Hive Auditor. They do a really good uh, piece of analysis every year. And they were showing that nano influencers, anyone below 10,000, generally gets like a 5 to 7% click-through rate mm. versus like a celebrity, you know, millions of followers, getting mm. maybe a 1% to 2% click-through rate. So mm. that user-generated content, the, the click-through rate is coming because people feel it's more genuine, more authentic, and, you know, kind of looks maybe a little bit more like them more attainable um versus yeah. a celebrity where it's you know very polished you know very unreachable probably doesn't really relate to them so much but obviously the challenge there then comes in the volume because the appeal of a of an animal influencer doesn't have the same reach as a as a celebrity so it's, it's that balance if you can get lots yeah. of nano influencers and tons of user-generated content you'll be winning with a higher engagement rate but you need to make that work cheaply right? yeah you need exactly. to, be able well, to generate that cheaply you're making a really good point. It ties in content creation with templatizing, basically. So like, how do you find a way to create, get called a great content? And by the way, there is really easy ways to access micro-influencers now. There's tons of platforms, you know, we've got tons of partnerships in that space. What makes it difficult is turning that influencer content into an ad and then scaling that ad out into multiple different variations. Um, and that's really the the process of templatizing. Um, but you know, it's something that obviously you don't you don't want to lose the core, you know, message from the ad. You need to find a way to make it, um, as we talked about earlier, relevant and engaging and different. So you don't want it all to be too functional. So that's something we've spent a lot of work on. The other like really important thing that I don't think I mentioned, but I think is critical, is this idea of creative fatigue. You know, something we've spent a lot of time looking at as a business and something that I think is really important in app is creative fatigue. And so 
when we talk about images, you know, and I know we're going to come on to, to video a little bit, but actually a critical part of what needs to happen is understanding when you've shown the user that variation in the same way that you were with frequency capping in media. Understanding when you're showing that user the variation and making sure that you're freshening it up, changing it, making it relevant, improving it. Um, we have built this fatigue model, which predicts fatigue of creative, kind of like five to seven days out, and allows you some time to make changes to that creative, whether that be the image or the headline. We're seeing spikes in performance when brands are able to adjust their creative before it fatigues for the, the audience, especially if you're talking to micro-influencers. You know, like if you are, sorry, if you're using micro-influencer content, you need to be able to manage that fatigue even more carefully because you're going after a small number of users. Yeah, that, that kind of makes me think about, um, there's a fashion brand, some of you may know, but uh, it's called Shein, obviously huge in the in the fashion space. If you're not in that space, you might not have heard about it, but uh, they really dominate um, from a creative performance point of view. And, and they talk about, you know, putting their ads out there quasi hot. So they kind of say that like, everyone else is advertising their clothing in that season. So it's like, oh, you know, it's sunny, so I'm going to sell more bikinis and dresses. You know, it's winter, so I'm going to sell more jumpers, et cetera, et cetera. But they try to get ahead of that trend. So before it becomes like saturated in the market and becomes tired, they're getting ahead of that trend. And they're trying to, you know, advertise. You know, they're advertising for Valentine's Day in January. You know, they're advertising for, you know, Black Friday months before. And that gives them the higher engagement because would you, they kind of said, would you rather advertise the iPhone, the new iPhone before it comes out or the iPhone when it is out, when everyone else is advertising it? And obviously you want to do it before so you get the highest engagement. I think that kind of talks to the fatigue. If you can get ahead of your consumer on the relevancy and then measure that performance, um, you can get there before it starts to fatigue and you'll be at the top of the point where it's become yeah. most relevant. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Good video. Um, now video is, you know, we can see it carries the highest cost, right? It's the highest cost of entry to get into to video inventory but it's always got the highest engagement as well. So if you can make video work, it could be a really uh, great channel for, for many advertisers. What makes good video? So I think some of the stuff that we've talked about already, um, but you know, also uh, this idea of being able to generate video at scale. So I think there's a general assumption that like generating video at scale is a challenging thing to do. And of course it is, but the technology is there now to help facilitate that. The memorability model I was talking about earlier around faces also can assess, you know, long form video for shorter scenes that are most memorable. It's those scenes that are the things that you should incorporate into, you know, your five second video app creative. Um, you know, it's the way that you identify what is going to capture the attention of the consumer. I think that combined with... Um, you know, the ability to automate the creation. So thinking about how actually you use pre-built templates, change the dynamic fields, personalize the detail of the assets, understand the audience buying strategy or media buying strategy, think about like which different um, like ad sets are running, et cetera, et cetera. And then finally, A-B testing. So like if you've got multiple variations of your video, you can experiment with text and overlays and color, um, and you can try and find the right like video asset for the campaign that you're running the trick with this is always start broad refine down identify against the the different targeting strategies that you're running 
the specific assets that are working and then be agile and update them. I'm very convinced that the way to be doing, you know, app advertising is always on. So you need an always on creative process as well to support that. And with videos, I think that could be quite scary for people. But I think just leaning on some of the things I've just said can make a big difference to streamlining how you approach it. Um, we've got tons of amazing case studies of how much performance has been driven by in-app video. Agree that it's expensive, but also it's what performs. So like, make sure that you don't let that put you off from trying, um, you know, video in-app video, basically. Okay. I guess one of the things we've kind of spoke about across all of them is is the volume, right? Having a lot of volume, and you've you've kind of spoken to a few things, you know, that you guys, you know, would recommend like templating, um, getting a lot of intelligence around what kind of what's working to help you along the journey. Is can we turn this whole creative process over to a computer? You know, we've got you know AI is a big hot topic at the moment. Generative AI, you can literally type it in and it will paint you a lovely picture of, you know, Boris Johnson yeah. doing something random that he's never actually <laughs> really done. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Is that something that people can rely on, or or what would you say? So I think it will be right at the moment. It's not so generative AI is pretty strong on the tech side, as I said earlier. Like copy headlines, you know, you can get some really good ones out. Part of the challenge often with creating these variations is not knowing where to start. Not going to be the case anymore because you can ask ChatGDP to give you a load of headlines based on what your marketing objectives are, and you'll be amazed by what it spits out, they're really quite, quite phenomenal. But you do need creative people to look over this stuff. You do need creative people to bring their own spice and make sure the brand energy and soul is incorporated into your advertising. So I think whilst you know, we will get there and computers will do huge amounts of the heavy lifting um, in this space, for the minute, we're on a we're on a journey. And I think we, we we're quite a few years off that being the case. Um, I'm really excited to watch how, you know, these AI um, capabilities enhance what we do with advertising and particularly video advertising, where traditionally there's been a huge amount of pain. I think the connection between the content creation, the activation of that content, the performance of that creative and the learning of what's driving performance, I think is really, really, really important and super interesting um, as a space. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Yeah, I would kind of echo that. I would say I don't think it'll ever get to a place where it will completely take over. You know, as I mentioned before about um, Gary Kasparov and, and Demis Isebis, human and computer works better than just computer. And I've seen people sit down in, you know, in front of things. I know you mentioned ChatGPT a few times. I would say BARD is a better, is a better tool, obviously. So I've seen people sit down in front of, of things like BARD and get nothing out because they don't even yeah. know what to ask at the beginning you need a, you need a human to, to kind of set the context and set the direction um so yeah i think i think having people is going to be great and you need that that's the, that's the key ingredient and then having platforms and support and technology to support those people is where you're going to get the real value uh, out of the journey would you agree yeah couldn't agree more couldn't agree more um i'm actually excited by <clears throat> to watch how the creative industries embrace these technologies you know like traditionally they they um have i think been um cautious around these technologies but i think now it's just clear that they're going to have such an impact on the industry more broadly and a lot of the things we've been talking about today need significantly more automation so look very excited to see how the creative agencies and the creative folks in our industry 
embrace this 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 shift to technology. Great. Well, Ollie, that brings us to the end for today. Um, it's been a great little chat, I think, on Creator. I think people will hopefully find that really useful. Uh, we've got more of your app questions answered in our next episode. So if you're curious about how to succeed in apps, be sure to tune in. So thanks very much, Ollie. Thanks, Miles. Really enjoyed the chat. Thank you.